As we continue to plug away at disc one of the epic Sign of the Times album, we've reached the sweet, easy-to-sing-along-with Starfish and Coffee. And joining me to discuss this track is Karen Shedrick. Welcome back to the show, Karen. Thank you for having me. As always, you've been a very uh, valuable guest for my show over over the years. And today we're going to be talking Starfish and Coffee. And it's kind of like one of those easy to sing along with as i mentioned fun light kind of songs off of the album it follows it which is a really kind of hard thumping uh danceable but still kind of very sexually driven track and then you jump into a song that is (laughs) so innocent in many ways that it can be sung on the muppets tonight in night as prince did in 1997 Mm -hmm. and and he didn't have to change any of the lyrics really i mean it's it was rated g from the from the start which isn't always the case with some of prince's songs especially in the 80s when you know he was mixing a lot of um, more sexual imagery into some of his songs but starfish and coffee isn't that song at all it's it's uh for public consumption 100 <laughs> percent. exactly uh, what are your thoughts on the song in general karen is this one of your personal favorites off of the album Actually, it's it's not. Um, I didn't like it at first, uh, which was why, you know, I wanted to kind of um, talk about it today because I have a different take on it now. But, you know, when I first heard it, I, you know, I like you said, it was so different from what I was used to hearing from Prince. And I was like, okay, what is this about? Um, And, you know, in the beginning, I would just kind of hear it for a few minutes and then just kind of skip over it, not really listen to it. Uh, but yeah, but over the years, you know, I've grown to like it, or I guess I should say more appreciate it, uh, for the lyrics and the storyline behind the song. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. I think, um, it's one of those, it can be a polarizing song. I would say, um, my experiences with, with people in this song, it can be definitely polarizing, um, maybe kind of in the way that a song like like there's songs from other artists and i'm trying to think like the beatles have had songs that paul mccartney wrote that were just seemed like really simple like obladi oblada from the white album mm-hmm. kind of kind of sing along obladi oblada life goes on and that song for some people who really like more of the complex and um experimental songs for the beatles they hate that song you know that they just cannot stand that song because it's almost it sounds almost like a a children's song starfish and coffee for some i think for some prince fans kind of feels like that in some ways especially on an album like sign of the times that has some really complex compositions and some really deep meaningful lyrical uh, songs like sign of the times or if i was your girlfriend or even something really emotional like forever in my life or a door starfish and coffee can come across as just a little bit of uh, almost too lighthearted in some ways for for some fans yeah i agree and that that was actually a good example the the beatles song that's actually a very good example of what this is to prince fans i think but again you have an appreciation for the song over time because it is popular and it is a good song it's just not you know one of my favorites but i do enjoy listening to it yeah i mean it's it's fun and Mm -hmm. and as i mentioned 
the Muppets Tonight performance back in 1997, yes. Prince. So that that's endearing in a lot of ways. I mean, the whole story behind it, how it all happened, uh, ended up in a, you know, kind of more of a tragic story because the song as as the lore goes was intended to be a part of a because he re-recorded it. it it's not it's not like he just lip-synced the 1987 version from sign of the times album it was a re-recorded version not not a lot of um differences but you can tell if you're listening to the two songs back to back that they aren't identical there's some some minor changes in in the um, music not the lyrics so much but it's slightly altered, re-recorded, and it was probably going to be for a children's album that Prince was thinking about recording, or I talked about recording at the time. I think it was called like Happy Tears or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, so this was been this would have been recorded around '96, um, as his wife Maite at the time was pregnant with Amir, and of course uh we all kind of know what happened unfortunately to that uh, situation amir was born with uh pfeiffer syndrome and and died shortly after birth and so any plans that prince might have had for a children's album of course at that point would have been uh, completely um scrapped uh, mm-hmm. d- just due to the the nature of his emotional state and just what happened to him and maite but this this performance still went on as it was originally planned, I'm sure, and and so a lot of people got to see a really lighthearted version of Prince. You know, somebody who was okay, kind of reaching back a little bit into the past. It wasn't like a distant past, but at that point, it was ten years, and pulling a song out from, you know, almost like a previous lifetime in his in his mind. You know, ten years passing in Prince music is like a lifetime, um, and reaching back and, and performing this song. With a smile on his face and mm-hmm. uh, really, you know, it, it was done in a way that I think a lot of people hadn't seen Prince be so jovial and and easy to um, easy for him to do this in front of an audience. And I have to assume that it was recorded before before his son was born, because it would have been, I think, maybe too tough for him to do this afterwards. But I don't know that for a fact. I don't know exactly when it was recorded. Like you said, it was a different side of him that no one had seen. It was on national TV, so it was a much broader audience. You know, people who probably would never see Prince at all had the opportunity to see him. So I thought I was really glad he did that. Yeah, yeah, me too. And that video is available on YouTube for anybody who had not seen him perform Starfish and Coffee on Muppets tonight. And there is even a a Prince version of a Muppet, you know, that's supposed to represent. I saw him. that. <laughs> he's got, he's got the symbol on his, on his jacket. So, you know, it's, him. <laughs> it's pretty funny. It was. So the song is kind of like another story song, like Ballad of Dorothy Parker, which is also on disc one of sign of the times. But instead of a song about a woman named Dorothy Parker, this is a song about uh, a girl, a young girl named Cynthia Rose. And, the lyrics of the song kind of tell a story about who Cynthia Rose is and what makes her so special or different from the rest of the, the children that Prince is singing about. And for people who maybe know the song but don't know the backstory, I will do my best to kind of reiterate what the story of Cynthia Rose is. But Prince's girlfriend and fiance at the time, Susanna Melvoin, 
uh, had been telling or had told Prince a story about this girl that she knew that she and her twin sister, Wendy, from the revolution knew named Cynthia Rose as kids. So this is a girl that went to school with them for many years in elementary school and up until like sixth grade, I believe. And Cynthia was just kind of known as being really quirky, um, kind of living in her head, not, you know, she would just say things that most kids wouldn't say, seemingly coming out of nowhere, but I'm sure in Cynthia's mind, they made total sense. Um, you know, like, like the idea of somebody living in your mind, you know, you have all this stuff going on in your head. So then when someone, a little fraction of that comes out of your mouth to everybody else, who's not in your head with you, it seems like it's coming from nowhere, but to the person who's living this life, uh, it just seems all very normal to them. And so she just had all these really kind of interesting stories about this girl. And so she would tell Prince about it. And I guess he had asked if he could write a song about, you know, the story that Susanna was telling him. And she said, yes. And, uh, he disappeared for like 10 hours and came back with this song. Um, and, and as we go through the lyrics, I'll point out some, some things about, you know, that kind of a, at how that generated and maybe some of the choices Prince made some lyrical choices to, to change what was really told to him versus what he ended up putting in the song because there's there's a couple of lines or at least one very notable line in the chorus where he had to make he felt like he had to make a change from the original story but because this story is based off of a real person and much of the lyrics were generated from these stories Susanna Melvoin had received a co-writing credit for this song so he gave her a co-writing credit just because you know it was really her story that he put to music. Um, is that kind of how you understand it as well, Karen? Yeah, that's exactly how I understood it as well. And it was surprising to me how, um, from the stories that she told him, how he came up with this song and that he, you wouldn't think that a story like that would hit, inspire him in such a way. So I was really surprised that from what she told him, this is what he came up with, which is outstanding, in my opinion. You know, just from having a conversation with her about someone she grew up with, uh, mm -hmm. that he came up with this. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that just, again, just kind of shows the 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 brilliance of his songwriting and just mm -hmm. ability to turn anything into music. Right. <laughs> and there's other examples of that in the future. I think he, we haven't gotten to it yet, but the B-side from The Sign of the Times uh, album um la 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 he 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 was also <laughs> another one of those songs that was kind of pulled out of nowhere off of a bet like i bet you can't write a song about you know a dog barking and he's like yeah you want to bet <laughs> so okay. again again prince can can uh, muster up enough um creativity from just about anything and this was another example of that and actually this was a pretty good uh good basis of a story to create a song about but it just didn't it just didn't seem like a song that he would have written around this time he wasn't really writing songs like this too much i mean the parade album was pretty heavy a lot of relationship stuff uh, around the world in a day i guess might have been an album where a song like starfish and coffee might have felt at more at home because of uh, his exploration of some like more psychedelic and uh mm -hmm thoughts about 
you know, the world in, in turning them into songs like Paisley Park and Pop Life with interesting imagery. You know, the, there's a lot of interesting imagery in Around the World in a Day, the song itself. So a song like Starfish and Coffee would have made sense on that album. Here, it just kind of speaks more to the the eclectic nature of this album in general to have a song like this right after it and right before a really sincere ballad like slow love mm-hmm. it just it's just it goes this album is all over the place but that's kind of also what makes it a bit brilliant at times too it doesn't have exactly. to be completely cohesive okay well um i think it'd be good to start going through the lyrics if you're ready i'm ready Okay, so the song starts off with kind of a jarring uh, alarm, like a, a bell, like a ringing alarm, like the old style alarms that you, alarm clocks that you would have in, back in the day. Now we just you know set our cell phones to wake us up using the really soft tones. But back in the day, if anybody remembers the old style alarm clocks, they would be pretty jarring and loud. It would just be that. Bring. And that's what we that's what we get at the beginning of the song to just kind of jar us from the um, the thumping bass and and synth lines and drum machines of it to completely different style of song, very piano based. Like the 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 melody of Starfish and Coffee is is very much done on a piano, or at least has a piano sound to it, with some kind of cool backwards sounding uh, drum machines going on as well later on in the song The first line of the lyrics shortly after the song begins is it was 745 we were all in line to greet the teacher miss kathleen first was kevin then came lucy third in line was me all of us were ordinary compared to cynthia rose she always stood at the back of the line a smile beneath her nose her favorite number was 20 in every single day if you asked her what she had for breakfast, this is what she'd say. And then we get to the chorus, which I'll speak about in a minute. But yeah, here we are, first verse, and he's basically painting us a picture of, you know, a normal day uh, at school. You know, I mean, you get 745, you know, you're starting to get ready to file into the classroom. And that's where the first line is of the song. Miss Kathleen, we have to assume, is their their teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just starts name checking a bunch of kids kevin lucy and me but the thing about this with third in line was me i always kind of first i was always thinking this was like you know prince telling the story but now knowing the backstory behind it you're wondering if he's singing it from the perspective of Susanna. so third in line was me meaning Susanna, because she's the one that actually went to school with cynthia rose not prince i don't know if you'd thought of it that way or considered that yourself karen that's actually something I never thought about, but it makes perfect sense. Um, but of course, when he performed it on TV, we saw the Prince puppet when he said turn in line was me. Right. Um, but yeah, I think back then when he wrote this, that would make absolute sense that he was uh, thinking in terms of Susanna, 
because right. like you said, it was her story, her experience. So that would make sense. Yeah, yeah. But of course, um, when when he's singing it and he says me, most people are going to assume he's talking yeah. about himself. I mean, that's just natural. And, and then in 1997, to your point, yeah, he's pointing to his the Prince Muppet um, character that was created for this yeah. performance. And because his relationship with Susanna had been over for over a decade by that point. So, of okay. course, he's not going to turn that situation into a, you know, like a a memory of his time with her when he was married. Also, to my, um, my right. Also <laughs> the, the bell, uh, at the beginning, I always thought of that as the school bell, like the oh, start of yeah. class. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I forget that there were times where, you know, if you were just kind of hanging out outside of school grounds or just on the, somewhere in the building, just kind of lingering, talking to your friends and there would be, a bell to kind of um, alert everybody. It's time to get, you know, get your stuff together and head to your classroom because school's about to start. I don't know if that's something that still exists today or not. Maybe some people with some younger people that just recently went to school and have experiences here in the past 10 years. Cause my, I'm too old to, <laughs> to know that. And I haven't asked my kids cause for the most part, you know, nowadays, especially during the pandemic, you drop them off at school, they go straight to their classroom. There's no lingering in groups anymore, hanging out before class. Uh, that's kind of over for now at least, but yeah, yeah. Good, good point. Good point. Uh, the line, all of us were ordinary compared to Cynthia Rose. I like that one just because it, Instead of saying all of us, like, instead of saying Cynthia Rose was weird or Cynthia Rose was different, he says it in a different way. He says, we're all very ordinary compared to her, which mm -hmm. is saying the exact same thing, right? I mean, it's still kind of saying Cynthia Rose is unique uh, compared to the rest of us, but he's pointing out more how ordinary everybody else is, not how different she is. <clears throat> I thought that was a great way to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. Not single actually, her out, but in exactly. a good way. Yeah, in a good way, in a good way. All of us were ordinary compared to Cynthia Rose. Almost sounds like it's a compliment to her. Like she's special, but mm -hmm. not weird, you know. One thing I wanted to read in this line, because I think I think Susanna's words are, are really helpful here to kind of understand context. So there was a quote that I'm going to read from her and regarding Cynthia. My sister Wendy and I knew Cynthia intimately because we shared six years together in a classroom, plus a bus ride to school with her. It was on these bus rides that I got to know Cynthia. She never had much interest outside of her own personal space, so watching her was an unedited version of what was going on in her head. I'm sure if Cynthia were in school today, she'd still be as interesting and extraterrestrial as she was back then. I think Cynthia was dropped off from another world, a world filled with extraordinary images. Images only Cynthia knew the meaning behind. I just like that quote because, it, again, it gives a bit more context to this girl and what, you know, somebody who is quote unquote ordinary thought of thought of her and thought of like how she maybe perceived and went through life. Yeah, I, it gives you more insight into what kind of person she was uh, on a day to day. Um and I, I wasn't, I don't know if it's written anywhere, if you know, if she, did she have like autism or some type of disability or was that just who she was, like quirky? 
Um, good question because I, I've I've definitely read accounts where people say like I don't know if they're making assumptions or not, but I've definitely heard autism thrown around as a way to describe Cynthia's behavior. But whether or not that that's a that's a clinical assessment of her or if it's just an assumption that okay. I don't know. But I've definitely heard that same thing. Karen, where autism, it sounds like for people who maybe know folks who have autism, they say, yeah, that those are signs of somebody who is autistic. You know, these are some of the behaviors that they exhibit. And but I don't know if she's ever been clinically diagnosed as autistic that I don't know. Somebody knows they can definitely let let us know. But yeah, good point. I wasn't sure, so I didn't want to necessarily yeah. assume she was, but I definitely did. I did want to bring it up at some point because I'm sure people had maybe thought of thought of that when hearing the story about Cynthia. Oh, that sounds like maybe she was autistic. So that could be where that came from. Could be. She always stood at the back of the line, a smile beneath her nose. That's just another line kind of. I'm sure that was based off of reality, like for whatever reason, Cynthia always felt like the back of the line was her place, you know, and Mm -hmm. uh, if they weren't, I don't know if they were lined up alphabetically, like some kids have to be lined up alphabetically. R is towards the back half of the alphabet, but it's not exactly, you know, like a Z or a Y or (laughs) something like a W. So um, you would think that they would have been kids with last names starting with letters that come after R. So for her to be in the back of the line almost seems like it was Cynthia's choice. Like she just chose to be there because that's where she felt comfortable. She wanted to be behind everybody else. Uh, didn't, you know, didn't take it as something to be embarrassed by, or even like, you know, this is a, like some kids always want to be first for everything, but if you're just lining up to get in class, why not last in line? <laughs> I mean, that means it's just a, you're the last one to have to go to class. If you if you wait to the to you know stand at the back of the line, she's always happy, smile beneath her nose, another sign that this person is very comfortable, at least with outwardly with who she is. Mm-hmm. Uh, another kind of cute story about the next line. Her favorite number was twenty in every single day, and this is going to be another Susanna quote because uh, I just feel like Susanna's a a great storyteller, you know, I don't mm-hmm. know if you've she heard is. her speak, but she, she, she definitely knows her way around words and, and can, can speak very eloquently about stories that she's experienced. So instead of me trying to fumble around and, and tell the story in her words, I'm just going to read them. Sixth grade was the last year our class was to be together. It was the first bus ride that year that something was different about Cynthia. She sat quietly in her seat, staring out of the window, and when we arrived at school, and as the bus pulled into the lot, Cynthia turned my way, looked me in the eyes, and asked if I wanted to know something special. I couldn't wait. We stepped outside of the bus, walked a couple feet when she leaned into me and said, Do you want to know what my favorite number is? I said, It's 12, right? Cynthia's answer, It's 20. In her beautiful Martian-like way, she smiled into her hands and said, Because it really makes me happy running off in her Groucho Marx Martian kind of way, repeating the number 20. So I guess based off of that story, 12 had typically been Cynthia's favorite number and something that she uh, expressed quite often. 
you know, like, uh, I don't know most of my friends' favorite numbers, I mean, because it's not something that, um, you know, even as kids, but especially now as adults, having a favorite number just seems almost like a very childlike thing to possess, you know, and, and to express. And I don't even know if I have a favorite number anymore now as, as a as a grown-up, but I'm sure Cynthia had probably expressed her favorite numbers 12 for so long that everybody just assumed that it was, and all of a sudden, kind of out of the blue, she declared 20 was now her favorite number, and that was the number that Prince used for for the lyrics in this uh, first verse instead of saying 12. Yeah, that's interesting. I had never heard what you the what you just talked about that Susanna talked about. I had never heard that before about the number. Yeah, I hadn't either. Hmm. I stumbled upon it during some research, so I thought it was worth repeating because I don't know if that story is quite as well known as some of the other ones about Cynthia Rose. Yeah, that was a new one for me. And then the last line of the verse before we get to the chorus, if you asked her what she had for breakfast, this is what she'd say. And so this is where we get the, the chorus. Starfish and coffee and maple syrup and jam Butterscotch clouds and a tangerine The side on a ham If you set your mind free, baby Maybe you understand Starfish and coffee Maple syrup and jam Starfish and coffee Maple syrup and jam Butterscotch clouds, a tangerine, and a side order of ham. If you set your mind free, baby, maybe you'd understand. Starfish and coffee, maple syrup, and jam. Okay, so as I as I alluded to, uh, Karen, you you know what starfish and coffee originally was supposed to be? Yes. <laughs> you want to tell everybody? <laughs> starfish and pee pee. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That is actually what Cynthia told um, Susanna and Wendy and whoever else asked that she had for breakfast every day. Starfish and pee-pee. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's like, where do you go from there? It's like <laughs> somebody tells you what they have for breakfast, starfish and pee-pee. Neither of them are actual foods, you know, that people right. <laughs> eat for breakfast. It's not like... You know, one is a normal food and one is not. It's like neither of them. Nobody. These are not things that people eat. So, again, you just have to kind of wonder where that came from. If it was just something Cynthia came up with, thought it was kind of fun and just stuck with it. Makes you wonder what she really had for breakfast. Um, <laughs> like, did she just have cereal? And then every day she was imagining it was something much more extravagant and um kind of like fantastical I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure i really don't know but this is what she this is what she said starfish and pee pee well and i the, think i think it was probably obviously she didn't really have that for breakfast but right. you know a lot of kids have imaginations you know and they just kind of create stories anyway so clearly this was a story that she she had come up with just being a kid you know saying something funny to get an, uh, a reaction from people. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. 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 And the funny and kind of like not funny, but interesting thing about that, if, if that's the case, um, she really, you know, leaned into that. She, she stuck with it, I guess. Like uh, her, her answers never really kind of deviated from her stock response, starfish and pee pee. And, for a kid to kind of stick to their guns in that way. Cause 
I don't know. I mean, it, you would think it'd be easy to stay that for a while and then maybe switch it up to a different kind of funny combination or eventually just give in and say, ah, just kidding. I actually just had a bowl of cereal or a waffle or something. But I guess she, as the story goes, she really leaned into this answer and and, and um, stuck with it consistently over time, which is fascinating to me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But of course, Prince was like, "Yeah, I'm not, I'm not writing a song called Starfish and Pee Pee. I just can't, I just can't do that. I'm not gonna. This isn't how I'm going to make the song and sing the song live for the rest of my life. Starfish and Pee Pee. So he he asked, I guess, Susanna if it was okay if he changed it, changed that word to something else because you know it's her story, and um, of course she said yes, and he came up with coffee as a suitable replacement for Pee Pee." So still a liquid. So we still sticking with the the liquid category. <laughs> it kind of rhymes too. Coffee, pee pee. Yeah, yeah. It has the same, um, like the same sounds. Yeah. Ending in ending in that e sound. So yeah, it, a good suitable replacement, Prince. I think most people would rather sing along to Starfish and Coffee than Starfish and Pee Pee. So wise choice, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just the rest of the stuff, you know, he mixes in real foods like maple syrup and jam with another thing that is completely fantastical and not real butterscotch clouds. Um, (laughs) Then he got got a tangerine, which is a real fruit, of course, and side odor of ham. So just mixing in stuff that doesn't make sense with stuff that does. And it's just the way he sings it, you know, just very starfish and coffee. It's just very sing-songy chorus not that most courses aren't but for whatever reason this one just feels like it's easy to remember it's the lines are super memorable so you don't have to listen to it that many times to finally get it you can sing it by the time he gets to the second chorus second time singing it just about everybody can sing along to it even if it's the first time you've heard this song because it's so memorable um, anything else in the course you wanted to mention? I like the, if you set your mind free, baby, maybe you'd understand line. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's the one that stuck out to me. Um, to try to get the listener to understand, you know, where Cynthia Rose is coming from and maybe just in your own mind, set your mind free to just kind of understand life in general or understand Cynthia Rose's life. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting that he put that in, right in the middle of that, you know, where he was talking about what she had for breakfast, you know, hey, and wait a minute, just set your mind free and just go with me on this. <laughs> you know, I thought that was cute. Yeah, exactly. Because if you're just thinking of it from a very closed minded perspective, you would listen to Cynthia Rose tell you that she had starfish and pee pee for breakfast and he might get angry, like, no, really, what did you have? Like, this is this is stupid, you know, this doesn't make any sense. What did you actually eat? Why do you keep saying this every day? This doesn't make sense. But if you're, if you, to, you know, Prince's point, if you set your mind free, maybe you'd understand it's more uh, not necessarily like, oh, I get it. It's more just why, why, um, why put your narrow-minded views about the world onto this person who is, clearly living in in a life that allows for like childlike wonder and allows that person to think outside definitely think outside the box 
instead of you forcing her to adopt your belief system or the way you think, why don't you set your mind free, expand your mind a little bit and get on her level, you know, and it's kind of like that. Like maybe, maybe you can have something real fun for breakfast and you can tell everybody someday, uh, come up with your own combination of unique foods and non-foods that you <laughs> have every day for breakfast and, and tell your story and see what kind of a reaction you get. Uh, that's just kind of what I get about it. It's just open your mind, let, let somebody else kind of just blow your mind for a little bit. And maybe you'll, um, instead of being angry or upset that the person is so weird, you'll learn to accept it and, and maybe adopt a little bit of their freedom of thought, freedom of expression into your own life. Right. It's, I think it's an early take on mindfulness and just staying in the moment, you know, mm-hmm. because it seemed like Cynthia Rose stayed in the moment, you know, whatever was going on in that moment was her life. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. So then we get to the second verse of the song after the chorus. Cynthia wore the prettiest dress with different color socks. Sometimes I wondered if the mates were in her lunchbox. Me and Lucy opened it when Cynthia wasn't around. Lucy cried, I almost died. You know what we found? And then he sings the the chorus again in the same way he did before. So here's just more about um, describing Cynthia. This is more of like describing her appearance. She wore pretty dresses, but which is not abnormal. That's a, that's a very typical um, behavior, typical dress. But of course, the quirk is that she wore different color socks. So uh, she can't just look like every other kid. She had to like separate herself somehow, some way. And one easy way to do that is just putting mismatching socks on, which I guess is not that odd anymore. There was a, it was, I guess, a trend. I don't know how long ago it was now where kids would wear mismatched socks on purpose. Um, Now, you know, whether Cynthia did or if it was just like, I don't really care. So I'm just going to grab what other sock, whatever socks I can find. And if they're mismatched, cool. But it sounds like it was more like a, a stylistic choice that Cynthia made. Um, for her to do that so frequently, I guess, as the story goes. The interesting line here was the, if wondering if the mates were in her lunchbox. So of course the character, whether it's Susanna or Prince, whatever the perspective that you are thinking of wondering like, okay, so how does she get these different color socks? Does she bring two socks, pairs of socks to school and then swaps them out, you know, and puts the, their partners in her lunchbox or if it's just another way for the person who's singing the song to kind of, uh, you know, put some sort of normalcy into it. It's like, does she do this at home? Does she bring them here? How do we, how do we reconcile her odd behavior with 
with what we know to be kind of what's uh, what's standard, what's expected, and that's wearing match socks. Well, where where are her mates? <laughs> where are her sock mates? <laughs> what what's about this second verse, um, Karen? Do you typically enjoy when you listen to it? Well, I thought it was interesting that when they opened the lunchbox, it upset Lucy. You know, it was kind of like they were, you know, trying to find out something about her and probably open something that she cherished. And she, you know, when you upset someone like that, it upsets you. So I thought that was interesting that they made reference to that. Um, What happened when they opened the lunchbox that it upset her. Uh, And I think, you know, how kids are, you know, it probably started out to be about the socks, but then they were like, well, let's just see what's in here. Let's see who she is and what she's got. And, you know, they they crossed a barrier, you know, and got her upset. And because they cared about her, it upset, you know, it upset Susanna. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, the line, Lucy cried, I almost died, you know, what we found. And then he just repeats the chorus. It's like, well, that's a really extreme reaction to... <laughs> <laughs> to finding this in her lunchbox crying and almost dying uh, of course you know you don't necessarily have to say that i almost died meaning literally almost right died but just like i died you know i died laughing or i i'm dying you know because of this is so interesting or weird people use the word dying to mean more than just you know end of life but yeah, it's. It, I always felt like that was a really extreme reaction, <laughs> like maybe a little beyond extreme. I don't know if they were thinking that it was going to be. Well, actually, what it does is it it, it paints a picture in your mind of people looking in a lunchbox. But since we're, it's like, do we see inside the lunchbox? Was there really starfish and coffee, maple syrup and jam, or was there something else in that lunchbox that caused such an extreme reaction from Lucy and? And Prince slash Susanna, you know, you'd, I, it kind of makes me wonder if if starfish and coffee, maple syrup and jam, butterscotch clouds, tangerine and side order of hammer, what Cynthia told everybody was in her lunchbox. But when they actually opened it, they found mm-hmm. something different. Right. I don't know what that and you don't know what that is because he never really tells us. That's that's kind of my take on it too. That they found something else, <laughs> not yeah. not what she had been talking about, and that's why she was upset. <laughs> yeah, makes you wonder what they what they actually right. found. <laughs> I get uh, for some reason I always get um, visions of Pulp Fiction. I'm, I don't know how familiar you are with that movie, but that briefcase in Pulp Fiction that they open up and they never. Like Quentin Tarantino never lets us see what's inside the briefcase, but it glows mm-hmm. every time they open it. And they're all just like, they have like this look of wonder and um, on their faces when they, and just like, they can't believe what they're seeing. And it, I get a little bit of that same vibe when I hear the song now. I mean, I, obviously this was written before Pulp Fiction, but uh, it gives me the same kind of vibes <laughs> for sure. That's a good one. Yes, that's a good analogy to this. Absolutely. I didn't even think of that. Good one. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's almost like the, what you don't know and what you don't see is is more interesting than trying to show us or tell us exactly what was in that lunchbox. Um, yeah, so we get the chorus again, same same exact chorus, which is something, I mean, Prince Law oftentimes changes up choruses, but I think in a song like this where the chorus is almost like, just as important as um, or more important than 
the verses when trying to just kind of give us the vibe of the song as being a really sing-songy to switch it up might might not have been a wise choice so to stay true to the chorus and repeat those lines over and over i mean i have a t-shirt with with these lyrics on it uh that's how kind of memorable and iconic they are and if he would have changed it up too much it might not have had the same impact but because he repeats them um the you know the few times that the chorus is is sung it just kind of sticks sticks to the sticks to his guns on this one and this is this is the chorus this is how i'm going to sing it this is what the song's about we're not going to try to get too creative in this one we're not going to go too many different paths the song stays in its lane for the entire like three minute runtime, which is fine Just like the one she draws On every wall, on every school But it's alright, it's for worthy cause Gonson I keep saying stop fish and coffee Maple syrup and jam Buscotch clouds, tangerine If you set your mind free First three, so then After I think Susanna gets uh also a um backing background singing credit as well but then there's the starfish and coffee in the background and he sings cynthia had a happy face just like the one she'd draw on every wall in every school but it's all right it's for a worthy cause go on cynthia keep singing and that's really like the last set of new lines for the song and it's a good i think it's a really nice like bow on on the lyrics it's kind of like saying it's all you know whatever you do cynthia as long as you're not hurting anybody and you know just yeah she's drawing happy faces on the school school walls which could be considered um vandalism i guess (laughs) (laughs) but he's saying don't worry about that it's for a worthy cause because you know smiley faces not like not like she's drawing some you know hate speech or or just scribbling just random stuff it's it's a smiley face that's like kind of like her tag you know <laughs> if you're thinking exactly of it from, thinking of it from um you know a tagging perspective or graffiti artist that's her tag it's a it's a happy face and he's yeah so he's basically and how i'm taking this is it's it's okay to be you you know do you you do you cynthia and we'll do us and as long as it doesn't hurt anybody, as long as it makes people happy, except for, of course, the people who feel like they have to clean up the walls after she's done tagging with her happy faces. <laughs> um, keep singing, you know, keep keep drawing, keep singing. Is that kind of the vibe you get from this verse, Karen? Yes. Um, keep singing, Cynthia, keep living, you know, keep living your life, um, you know, paint your walls if it brings you joy, because it's like you said, it's not hurting anybody and it and the worthy cause is you. You know, yeah, so I, yeah, I, I like point. that. Uh, that he had the singing or had the thought to say, keep singing as in keep living your life. And you know, that could go for anybody, you know, keep doing yourself, keep doing you, as you said. So I thought that was a good reference. Yeah. Yeah, the worthy cause can not only be to make other people happy when they see your smiley faces that you're drawing on the walls, but make yourself happy. Right. The worthy cause could just be your own self-care 
own mental health. This is something you feel compelled to do and it makes you happy. Uh, then, then go for it again, as long as it's not hurting anybody, then what's the, what's the harm? Um, one thing I thought about as I was kind of doing some preparation for this episode is, you know, we talked a little bit about how Prince heard the story from Susanna and felt compelled to write a song about it. And we thought that that just in and of itself was fascinating. Like he just felt like this song was, or this story was worthy of creating a song about, but I kind of wonder at times if maybe Prince saw a little bit of himself in Cynthia not to the extreme, you know, like idiosyncratic idiosyncratic um, behavior that she exhibits. But part of me wonders because, you know, he's always been described as, and he's even described himself as having music in his brain. Like he just is driven by the creation of music and it's always in his head. And that's why he wrote so many songs is because he, that was his way of coping with all the music that was always in his brain. He had to get it out there and put it into um, uh, recordings. And part of me wonders, like, if he heard the story about this girl who was kind of quirky, different, looked at maybe a little bit differently because of all of the stuff that was going on in her brain, it makes me wonder a little bit if Prince thought, gosh, you know, maybe to a lesser extent, but that's that was kind of like me as a kid. I, I had music in my head all the time, and sometimes I might have seemed aloof or diff, di- distant from other kids because... You know, while they were thinking about this, that, or the other, I was pretty focused on my music mm-hmm. and and the creation of music. So I just wonder if that was potentially a, a another driving factor for Prince to create this song. And, um, you know, kind of taking that worthy cause. It's okay if it's for a worthy cause. So instead of drawing happy faces on every school wall, Prince was creating songs every day making songs every day but it's okay it's okay it's for a worthy mm-hmm. cause you know it serves two it serves two purposes once it gets the the, the music out of his head so that he can just function just be a functioning human being and number two the worthy cause is that people who listen to his music benefit from the creation of these songs on such a regular routine basis just something I thought about. I might be off on out of left field on this one, but kind of makes you wonder a little bit. Well, it's a it's a different way to look at look at it. And I, I often thought, you know, obviously he felt some sort of connection to the story about Cynthia Rose, that she was different and she wasn't uh, necessarily always accepted for who she was. And that was like you said, that was kind of his life. You know, he was sometimes not so much an outcast, but just different from everyone else, you know, but he stayed true to who he was, which is what Cynthia did and, you know, kept living his life the way he wanted to, which, you know, which, which was why he became so wonderful for us. So I do think that he had a, he felt some sort of a kindred spirit with her when he made the song. It certainly, um, uh, it makes sense whether or not he truly did or not. We're, we're just speculating, but yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if hearing these this story about this girl gave him a little bit of maybe a little bit of flashbacks to his childhood. And as I said, nobody is accusing Prince of being autistic, but at the same time, we all know that 
he was unique. I mean, that that's that's what made him so successful. That's mm-hmm. what made him so prolific and it made him so um, well-loved, I think, was because of his uniqueness mm-hmm. and his, uh, his lack of fear, especially um, when it came time to make music, you know, publicly to express himself in ways that other artists weren't doing which is what endeared him to so many of us i suppose so it's like it's like a a story song about a girl but also maybe a little bit about himself and also a way to show us that it's okay to be unique even if you're not as unique or as uh special as cynthia or prince we all have enough uniqueness in us if we're willing to set our minds free and and kind of let ourselves go in ways. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, so it can be a little bit of a lesson song as well. Right. Which is maybe why he felt like it was a good song to sing on Muppets Tonight if, you know, it tells a, a good message to, to kids who are listening to it. Um, exactly. It's okay to be different. It really is. Right. Different isn't bad, <laughs> which sometimes, you know, when you were, when we were young, you always want to fit in, right? I mean, that's kind mm-hmm. of like the goal. Everybody wants to fit in and not feel like they're on an island. And while, you know, being too different can also be very lonely, uh, there's, I think there's ways to express your individuality while also making sure that you don't alienate everybody, trying to find that balance. Maybe some people will be drawn to you because of your differences and you would have been just another face in the crowd if you tried to fit in, even if it wasn't the real you. Exactly. And that's, that's, that's Prince. You know, he didn't fit into any box and he didn't try to, he didn't want to, you know, he wanted to, he stayed true to himself and, you know, it would appear that Cynthia Rose did the same thing. She stayed true to who she was you know, she dressed like she wanted to. Prince dressed like he wanted to. You know, it was, it was a lot of, you know, things that you can attribute to Prince as well as Cynthia in that song. Mm-hmm. And just to kind of close out, um, I don't know the uh, much about it, but I guess the real Cynthia is aware of this song and she loves it. That's what Susanna had had said in an interview not too long ago was, Cynthia, the real Cynthia Rose, knows of the song and thinks it's great. So that's just a nice kind of um, postscript to the story. Hmm. Now, do you know, I mean, I'm probably guessing no, but do you know if she ever met Prince? Uh, I don't believe she did. I don't believe she did. She just kind of, I don't know if Susanna made her aware of it or if somebody that Cynthia knew made her aware of it. But... um, no, I don't believe she ever met Prince, which is unfortunate, but, you know, yeah. a lot of us never met Prince, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's also unfortunate, yes. Join the club, Cynthia. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, so, Karen, any final thoughts on the song, or do you think we, anything else you wanted to express? Or you think we covered it all? I think we covered it very well. Uh, you know, you you gave me some insight on the song that I didn't know about before. Um, which makes me, you know, appreciate the song even more. So I definitely appreciate that. And 
you know, for anyone who's listening, you know, who didn't know these tidbits or maybe have more tidbits about the song, that would be helpful too. But yeah, I think we covered it. I think we did a good job. All right. Very well. Well, thank you again for joining me, Karen. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm Jason Brenninger. This has been the Presser Wine Prince Lyrics Podcast. You can find the show on uh, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, other places. Uh, If you can rate and subscribe, that would be great. I think it really helps the show be found if more people subscribe and rate the show on whatever avenue that you're using to listen to the show. I can also be found at Press Rewind Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Also, PressRewind.net. I try to use my blog to write um, little stories about Prince's music or just do some reviews of random stuff that I'm really into at the time. So check it out if you're interested. And I also um, post episodes, older episodes. I'm trying to go back and add some episodes onto the, the blog. Also on YouTube now as well, you can check out uh, Presser Wine, Prince Eric's podcast on YouTube. I, I post episodes without the without the music uh, attached to it because YouTube uh, algorithm instantly flags every episode that <laughs> I try to put in. Mm-hmm. So I have to extract all the music, but all of our conversations are still there. Um, and I, I try to put some more interesting stuff on the YouTube channel that I can't do on uh, podcasts. So check it out. And until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.